the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and... Um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. So pleased that you would take time to make us a part of your Sunday evening. We're going to get into the scriptures tonight. We read from three different very interesting books. Now, we've spent 
already some fairly significant time talking about the book of Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, these two who helped lead uh, groups of, um, uh, well, people from uh, Israel that were caught up in the exile over into Babylon, and Ezra and Nehemiah helped lead groups as they came back to the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. And uh, so we, we spent a significant amount of time helping to rebuild uh, the temple uh, uh, under Ezra and then helping to build the walls of the city under Nehemiah. And we just finished that. We read chapters 13. Well, just chapter 13, we finished that book of Nehemiah. And then we read the entire book of Esther, this uh, beauty queen in the featured in the Old Testament, this woman who for such a time as this came to uh, have, very unexpectedly, I assume she didn't grow up thinking someday I'm going to be the queen of Persia. But uh, that's exactly what happened, that in the sovereignty of sovereign will of God, he brought this woman to a place of influence in the Persian Empire. And then um, through her influence, saved the nation of Israel from uh, probably annihilation there in in uh, in Persia. Interesting, very interesting person. Uh, the book of Esther. We can ask you some questions tonight from the book of Esther. You can answer a few of those. And then we read, we also came back to the New Testament from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and we picked up in the books of First and Second Corinthians, two letters of four. Actually, there were four letters mentioned uh, that were written to the Corinthians, but we have these two that have survived, and we uh, call them First and Second Corinthians. And we read the first 12 chapters of First Corinthians this week. So we can ask you questions from any of those books, and hopefully you'll be able to give us a call and answer some of those questions and win some great prizes. We have um, some, one, we call them soapy dollars, some gift certificates, from uh, Express Lube, from uh, Rose Cleaners, and also from uh, Splashtown this week. We've got our Splashtown tickets for the for the summer, so you and your family could pick up some tickets to go out and have a uh, a, a good time there at Splashtown, uh, maybe on the weekend or, or whenever you'd like to go. We have those tickets, so we'll put them in your prize package. Just give us a call during this next 90 minutes, 340-9585. Three four zero nine five eight five, and you can uh, answer some of the questions we'll put out on, on the airwaves in just a moment or so, and win those great prizes. Or you can call in and ask us questions and talk to us a little bit about the scriptures, something you're learning, something you're confused about, or anything to do with uh, with the, maybe it's the, what the Bible means, some message from the Bible, what it means for us today, and these uh, tumultuous times in which we live. In the world, the world economy is uh, seems to be teetering on the on the uh, edge of some kind of collapse, and everyone seems to be predicting that. With Greece and the other countries of Europe, uh, their economies in shambles and perhaps on the brink of failing. And of course, our own economy, the things are happening in our own country. Many people wonder about that. So maybe you have a question about the scriptures and how they apply to uh, these times in which we live, or maybe just a personal matter something that the scriptures mean to you or a question about them, we'd be glad to visit with you about them. That's, it's called the Bible Live. The focus of our attention 
is on this old book and its message and its power to change lives and to uh, influence entire societies, in fact, when we give it uh, due attention. Well, let's go to our <clears throat> questions. Before we do, I've got to ask you a question, Jacob, just quickly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hi, Soapy. It, that's right, Jacob. Good to have you. Listen, can you hear this? I can hear you pretty well. Let's no, see. No, I mean, could you hear me knocking? No, I didn't hear you knocking. Oh, oh yeah, I hear you knocking. Okay. There you go. I thought you were going to tell me. I hear you knocking, but, but you, you can't, can't come, come in. No, no, you're there, buddy, right. and you're in. I wanted to ask you about Esther. Uh, okay. <clears throat> kind of my own private question. What I have looked up in the history books, kind of get a sense of who she was, and uh, from extra biblical sources. Uh, Xerxes and Artaxerxes and the the, the, the uh, emperors of, of Persia of that era, and it, it, I, I kind of found out and got her located about the time and and, the, and who she was actually who was who she was the queen too, but then uh, uh, the sources I looked up said that after she had her moment in the sun, after she had her moment of opportunity to to uh, affect the the salvation of the people of Israel from the annihilation there in Persia, that uh, later on in life, Vashti, the the queen that she had displaced, that she had been put in, in, in on the throne in her place, Vashti was restored to the throne in later years. And I've always kind of wondered, is there any kind of a history or a tradition about what happened to Esther later in life? Um, because we only see her in, in the book. We, we see the end of the book. We, but it's surely not I, the end of her I life. I think what you're reading, if I may say, because everybody likes to twist legends. You know, you destroy the past, then the, you have no present. Uh huh. And if I destroy the present, you have no future. So I think what you're reading, I am familiar with some of that. I don't think that comes from Hebrew sources. I think that's coming from other sources that prefer to have her... Vasti re put reappear on the throne. I believe she was put to death. So if she reappeared, we had a second coming. Oh, so the and, uh, Hebrew and, tra- Jewish tradition is that she was put to death in later well, years. Well, actually, uh, I think it's more than just the Hebrew tradition. But I think later sources wanted, to, in my opinion, wanted to spin it and put her back. But if Of course, here's the problem. You know the line in the book, I don't think it's one of your questions, Uh, when uh, uh, Haman, I mean, sorry, when the king of Babylon asked, uh, what should I do? And he ordered his wife Vasti to appear, right? Yes. And it says, wearing her crown, right? Right. Uh Aha. Now, that's Hebrew writing. Uh, By identifying the crown is a way of saying with nothing else on. All right. So this is why she's refusing, because he's ordering, he's drunk, and he's ordering her to appear naked in front of all these other men. Right. In one source I read, uh, I don't know if it was conjecture or, or one one view of the situation, is that at the same time, it might have been a time, a delicate time for her, even anyway, uh, for it could have been that she was pregnant with uh, Artaxerxes, the, with the son of the emperor, and that she didn't want to appear in that delicate state, and that it was... It was her son who later restored her to the to the throne. I, at least that's the the presentation I had. I was just curious because sometimes we 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 talk about Esther, we 
uh, recognized this wonderful thing that she did in a given moment of time, the way God used her. And uh, then the story drops, and we never really are told in Scripture, at least, what happened to her. And I didn't know if um, maybe Hebrew sources... So most Hebrew sources think that she was, perhaps when Vashti was restored, that she was put to death, huh? Not Esther. Vashti's dead. Oh, the Vashti was the one that was put to dead. Yes. Death. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. I, I totally misunderstood what yes. you said. No, okay. no. E- e- Esther, as far as we know now, I will also give you a comparison. In more recent, uh, if we can loosely use the term, uh, what's uh, Persian scholarship, it's also written that there never was a woman named Esther. Now, that's coming from the Persian because they're writing her out of the history. Right. I and see. Just like the Egyptians <laughs> tried to write the Jews out of being in it, in Egypt. I see. But uh, well, they did find some clay tablets to their chagrin that talks about the Jews being in Egypt. So it's right. even been found in Egypt itself. So uh, Yeah, it the, says that history is written by the victors, right? That They try to wipe out the memory the of Jews. the Jews. The Jews seem to want to write every, all their pimples and blemishes <laughs> and everything. And That's let everybody all, y'all know. major on that, don't you? You focus on it for sure. But well, I, I, I'm glad you told me that because I was, I was curious. I did a little... Uh, extra research on my own, and I, I was kind of wondering what uh, Hebrew tradition says about her. So she just continued on uh, serving at some level in the palace and in the, um, in the, uh, in, in the palace of the emperor of, of, of Persia. Okay. So Vashti uh, was the one. I know that Vashti has an interesting lineage herself. Yeah. I had that, I had read that. And you, I, will you share with us wh- who her grandfather was? Oh no, you tell me that. No, I was thinking about after her uh, that you know that Artaxerxes and so on others. What, you're talking about before her. Her, well, her yeah, her, her, gran- her grandfather that typically comes before unless really I'm, yeah yeah. <laughs> so Vashti had an interesting unless I'm like that Disney song. I am my own grandpa. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't know. Vashti's grandfather was Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, well, that's not a huge stretch, no, is it? No, but I it's mean, an interesting tidbit, isn't it? Sure it is. It certainly is. And uh, and also, his advisor, Haman. Haman, remember that comes from the Amalekites, right? Uh, the Agagites. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And he Agagites, the Amalekites, etc. But they actually were a descendant from a, what we would use the term in nowadays, say, illegitimate child uh-huh. of Esau, who later produced all that group of people. How about that? Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, the the intertwining of the different groups, the people groups that developed there in Canaan. It, it's always been extremely interesting to me how the, the Moabites and the, oh, I'm thinking the Ammonites, uh, the the others that are mentioned there in the south, I the names don't come to me in a moment. Well, I need and them. The but. electric lights, the Bud lights. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, anyway, let's go to some questions for our listeners. I'm going to give a few questions from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Oh, I sorry to interrupt you. Sure. I just enjoy it. What's up? Uh, no, I was going to say, may I mention something about the 4th of July that I was... I'll just take a second. Yeah, you were telling me before the program. I'd like to hear it myself okay. as well. This 4th of July also landed on a date that's very important to Jewish history since we're talking about history. It was the 17th of Tammuz. That's a Jewish month. Tammuz is a Jewish month. And the 4th of July in our calendar matches the 17th. 
Now, why is that important in Jewish history? This begins a three-week period of mourning among the Jews when there's basically no parties, no weddings, no celebrations. Three weeks? Three weeks of mourning. And they're mourning about this is the day that the Romans attacked Jerusalem and three weeks from now is when they broke through the walls. And we're talking about in in A.D. 70, I guess. Yes, huh? And this would be way back when the, uh, this is the beginning when they attacked, however. The beginning? Uh, was it a siege? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. But it's fascinating. So this begins the beginning, and then it will culminate in something called the Ninth of Av, which the First Temple and Second Temple were both destroyed on. And it's also the day in history that Moses broke the first set of Ten Commandments and the day the spies returned with the bad message. So it's kind of a downer. It so is. this is—that's why you say it's a—it's a, a time of grieving, right? Because a lot of the events. Well, I are have a—I have a theme to share on this. Uh huh. You see how those days are like anniversary days of reoccurring, say, bad things. Yes. Uh huh. Well, look at the Fourth of July. The Fourth of July is the same type of historical anniversary date. It's supposed to be an anniversary of always good things. However, the establishment of America. So you've got the same kind of anniversary being remembered among Americans. And that's very important. And to forget that, and the reason is the 4th of July, it will, you will forget, you will not be present, and if you don't have a present, you won't have a future. Right. The importance of maintaining that history. Like I said, they say the victor writes the uh, history, and they, generally speaking, reinterpret and rewrite it to uh, favor their their view and, or and their And, you know, you've heard of the Statue of Liberty, of course. Yes. And she's holding two tablets. Right. Aha. Uh-huh. And on those tablets is written something. And I have always enjoyed asking, what is written on those tablets? And I know that's not one of your questions. It's not really. But that's good though. Let's leave it out there. All right. Maybe but, someone can tell us when yes, you go. And, and it's going to be extremely relevant to what we've been talking about. Is it surprising? No, but no, it'll be okay. relevant. The two tablets that. On the Statue of Liberty, Lady Liberty there is holding. What are those two tablets? And it's not an accident that she's holding two tablets. Are we probably going to have to, is she probably going to have to be disallowed and have a sheet put over it or something? Uh, I don't know that. Okay. Well, okay, let's go to our questions from the Psalms and the Proverbs. I have a, a question I wanted to ask you. In uh, we we learn something from Israel's experience as they are wandering in the wilderness. Now we we read about this in Psalm ninety five. Uh, we are we are warned not to harden our hearts to the Lord. We are warned don't harden your hearts to the Lord uh, as the people of Israel did in the wilderness. Now what I want to ask you folks is what does it mean? To harden one's heart toward God. Look in chapter 95, Psalm 95, particularly verses 9 through 11. And the question is, what does it mean to harden one's heart toward God? An individual or even a whole group of people. Uh, For example, our nation. Some people think, well, America has turned away from God. We've, we've hardened our hearts. Well, what, let's see, what does it actually mean? And that will give us an idea. Psalm 95, verses 9 through 11. What does it mean to harden one's heart 
toward God. And then another one question from the Proverbs says, Proverbs 19, verse 16. Proverbs 19, verse 16. It says, keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising the commandments of God leads to what? Proverbs 19, 16. Despising the commandments of God leads to what? Okay, and then from the book of Nehemiah. Shall we give them one question there, just from the last chapter? Okay, you you pick one. Um, as part of the social reforms that Nehemiah initiated, what activity did he prohibit on the Sabbath? Now, I, I'm sure there were a number of activities prohibited, but he specifically prohibited this activity that otherwise he encouraged. In fact, it was a very positive thing. But he prohibited the people from doing this on the Sabbath. What was it? You look in Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 21. Excellent. All Excellent. Right? And this is the reason that the Jews uh, keep the, uh, uh, the, you know, we've always heard, like, especially Orthodox Jews are always sometimes criticized for keeping these unusual rules. Yeah, okay. There's 39 things. And what you just referenced is one of the 39 things. And I will tell you this, how we know what 39 things are not to be done on the Sabbath is from basically Nehemiah. But how did Nehemiah know it? Because he read the book of Leviticus. All right. 39 things you cannot do on the Sabbath. They're considered work. That's why when Jesus heals on the Sabbath, there's nothing wrong with that. The Jewish law is that you must heal on the Sabbath. How about that? Except the... Uh, the guys didn't know that, obviously. So Jesus got it right again. Jesus oh, got great. it right again. As part of the social reforms, the social reforms Nehemiah initiated, what activity did he prohibit on the Sabbath? Okay, let's go to the book of Esther, and I think you've got some questions you've uh, chosen. I did pick a couple, two or three. I'm actually, I actually, I'm looking more forward to the book of Corinthians tonight, but uh-huh. we will go through this. Sure. All right. Um, uh, number two, what queen did? Xerxes, banish, and why? You'll we, find the we answer. We just had that conversation. Well, we, we did, but I don't think we said what and why. I think I think we said who it was, but uh, we not why right. maybe. Yeah. Maybe we said why yeah. too. I don't know. So the uh, answer is in Esther chapter one, verse ten and twelve. One ten through verses ten through twelve. Okay, what queen did Xerxes banish, and why was she banished? Right. And then your number five, who was Mordecai, and the answer. Uh, would be found, according to your paper, in chapter 2, verse 5 of Esther. Esther. Chapter 2, verse 5. Who was this person we know now as Mordecai? Who was it? Well, and your number 18. All I right, like, you like I, that one, huh? Oh, I like that one. Uh-huh. Okay. After Esther <laughs> exposed Haman's plot to kill her and her people, the Jews, what happened to him? That would be him being Haman. Haman. What happened to him? Hmm. Now, that, we've talked about that before, but I brought tonight the actual place where people can Google and find out the historic answer that appeared in the front page of the New York Times. All right. That'll be interesting. All right. Let's go to that famous, that New Testament book now of Corinthians. Uh, I, I, too, I really, I really like, uh, this year I'm really enjoying first, uh, first and second Corinthians, but I'm, I think because of what's going on in our own country, 
I, it made me appreciate and understand maybe a little bit more of First Corinthians than I have before, at least in a, maybe a little deeper way or a little different different way. What questions did you like there? Well, I may flip over because I haven't flipped over. Or I should say flip over the paper. I'm not going to flip I over. thought you were going to turn flips for us uh, right here uh, in the studio. Number, <laughs> let's start off on number one. All right. Uh, since there were divisions in the Corinthian church, whose name does Paul use ten times in the first ten verses? Okay, the Corinthian church was a church torn apart. There was a lot of competition to who's going to be the leader. And people were saying, I follow this guy, and I follow this guy, and I follow this one. Well, Paul writes this letter to them, and he uses the name, one person's name, ten times in the first ten verses of his letter. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And I, hint, I, right? I like that question because I think people, that's a good piece of trivia that people ought to know. Okay. That's a nice thing. It's a, It kind of does give a great deal an understanding of the book and its purpose yeah, as well so that helps so and uh, then your verse number i mean your number nine question number two nine. reasons why sexual temptation and sin was so prevalent in corinth in corinth oh yeah corinth was uh in fact is throughout the roman empire um uh, it was known as a, as quite an insult to say call someone a corinthian uh because it it said something about their morality. Uh, and uh, this question is, give two reasons why sexual temptation and sin was so prevalent in the city of Corinth. So uh-huh. maybe uh, you can answer that for us. Okay, and your number 10. The Corinthian church members were arguing about what controversial food? Yeah. The answer is an 8-1. They were arguing about food. Isn't it interesting? I find it pretty interesting that, that the new testament there's a lot of discussion both in, in the in jerusalem among the jews and then later on as the gospel spreads to other congregations to other to the gentiles again food becomes an issue it, it's a very interesting matter well there's our our music we've just gotten all of our one two three four five six seven eight questions out there on the airwaves. That's enough to start with. If you'd like to answer any one of those questions, we'd invite you to call 340-9585. 340-9585. And Harold is on the line already. We'll come back to Harold's call when we get come back from our first break here. 340-9585. You stay put now. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. 
Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Flix Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. they received that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Hi, this is Baron Wiley, and March 16th, 2000, was one of the greatest days of my life. That was one of ten days when I went to the Holy Land. One of ten days where I walked where my Savior walked, where I boarded a boat and floated through the Sea of Galilee, stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed, walked through the Kidron Valley like Jesus did when he went up to Jerusalem. I touched the Western Wall and looked up to the sky and prayed where millions have been praying to God 24-7 for over 2,000 years. I stood where King David stood, where he overlooked the old city. And on that spot, on March 16, 2000, I proposed to my future wife, Shan, the most life-changing, unforgettable week of my life. My dear friend, join Alistair Begg, KSLR listeners like yourself and other believers the week of October 24, 2015, and experience Israel with Genesis Tours. Travel with comfort and ease. Stay in four- and five-star hotels, and it's so true you will never read the Bible the same way again. Experience Israel this fall. All the details at kslr.com. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. And we are back. Thank you for joining us again now for the Bible Live quiz show. We've already put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions out there on the airways. If you can answer any of them, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 340-9585. Our questions tonight have come from the Psalms, from uh, the Proverbs, and uh, the the question from the Psalms is, what does it mean to harden one's heart toward the Lord? We're warned against that in Psalm 95, but also in Psalm 95, it gives us some idea of what it means to harden our heart, harden one's heart toward the Lord. So, uh, what does it mean? And then uh, in Proverbs, keep the commandments and keep your life. Despising the commandments of God leads to what? In Proverbs 19:16, and, and the rest of the questions, we'll repeat them in a little bit. But if you know heard them earlier and you'd like to answer any of them, give us a call, 340-9585. That's our call in line, 340-9585. And our first caller tonight, one to 
answer a question for us and clarify some of these issues was Harold is up in, in uh, running tonight. Thanks, Harold, for calling. Yes, thank you all very much for having me. Um, yes, I wanted to answer the question that uh, Jacob had asked about. Uh, I don't Good. get to talk to him too, too much on the air. You know, it was the 4th of July weekend this weekend. Uh-huh. What was that question you asked, uh, Jason? Uh, the Eiffel Jacob. Tower? I mean, the Statue of Liberty? No, yes, what are the two, two tablets? tablets? What's on the tablets? What was that? I didn't hear you. What are the two tablets? What What is on written? Oh, okay, on I got you now. Uh, well, I remembered what it said only because I have to be honest. My boy looked it up for me. Oh, well, that's good. Is that okay? <laughs> that's nice. Teamwork is always good. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse your of your teeming shore. Am I right? I am afraid you are not right. That well, is that is what's written on the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, it's oh, written on well, the Statue see, of Liberty. But, what's but we're on? talking about what's written on those two tablets yeah. that, that Lady Liberty is holding in her hand. She has one hand aloft with the lantern, but in her other hand, I think it's her left hand, mm-hmm. she is holding two uh, I guess you'd call them stone? Oh, they're tablets. Two tablets, yeah. and something is written on them. Now, at the base of the Statue of Liberty is written what you just said. Oh, uh, you know, it's probably my fault. Uh, and plus, the boy's on Xbox, so <laughs> I managed to get him to do this for me in a well, real nice yeah, way. Well, that was nice of him to try. I didn't just, explain it right, apparently. Yeah. Well, go back and talk to him again, and if nobody gets the answer, you can call us back. I will do that. All right. And... and I want to say that uh, just by chance, I was at my sister's uh, house in uh, Canyon Lake, and she had canceled her church uh, activities for the day. And I told Betty, I said, I'd be glad to go with you. And, uh, you know, do you have your Bible? And I, of course, you know, I told her uh-huh. I had the Sobe Dollar Bible. That's, a, All right. that's how we oh, talked well. there. And so we went to a little church. It's called the High Point Church. Cool. And it's over there by Garden. Uh-oh. Oh, I want to hear the rest of that story. We got cut off. Well, we'll have to have Harold call back in. I don't know what might have happened with his cell phone or whatever, but Harold, get the, get your son to help you out again and uh, Google it and try to find out if you can. If no one else calls in with the answer, yeah, I was looking us, forward to that story myself. Call us a second time. I'd like to hear what happened to him as they went to High Point Church. Anyway, you can give us a call the same way Harold did, 340-9585, 340 9585. If you'd like to answer any of the questions already out there on the airwaves, then you can give us a call. Let's go and visit with Rich, who is calling in. Hi, Rich. Hello. We're How are you doing, Sophie? You're doing great. Good to hear from you. I hope you can answer some of these questions for us. Well, I'll give it a good shot. Uh, I wanted to answer one about, uh, you mentioned the uh, question about in the Corinthians, whose name was mentioned ten times. In the first ten verses. Right. Uh, I'm thinking Jesus Christ. That was Jesus Christ, in fact. Yay. You and got the, the right uh, other question sure. I wanted to try and answer uh, was uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Yeah. I believe it's the Ten Commandments. Only Jacob knows the answer to this. I don't. But uh, no, I'm not the only one. But, well, no, but I, I mean, can tell you this. The poor, only one in this poor, room. No, no, I was going to say, poor Rich and Harold doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, Rich and Harold don't know. Well, I tell you what, I would have guessed that if I was going to guess. I would have thought the Ten Commandments as well, but yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah, because it's great. two tablets. That's why I thought yes, about it. I, I, knew, I knew that there was... Yeah, two, he's intentionally trying to yeah, mix us it, up. It is two tablets, uh, actually, symbolically, over the 
Uh, I, w- I would like to know what's written on them. Well, it, it probably said, take these two tablets and call me back in two weeks or something uh, like that. Right? That's very good, Sophie, but uh, we now know Sophie that's doesn't not yet, know either. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> okay, fellas, I'm going to let you go. All right, Rich, good to hear from you, man. Thanks for calling. All right. Well, you can give us a call, too. Rich did answer his question correctly. Uh, since there were divisions in the Corinthian church, whose name does Paul, and I think you could say it was very intentional, whose name does Paul intentionally use ten times in the first ten verses of his letter? And it's just to remind us that it's all about Jesus, folks. It's not about us, and it's not about our making a name for ourselves and becoming famous pastors and teachers and speakers or whatever. It's about the Lordship, uh, about God himself and, and uh, his redemption and his salvation and his Messiah, our Savior. And so Paul emphasizes that in the first ten verses, Jesus' name is used ten different times. Well, we, we've answered, uh, let me see, a couple of the questions have been marked off of our list, but you can give us a call as well, 340-9585. I'll, um, let me repeat them in reverse order. The Corinthian church members were arguing about some a controversial food. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, what was this food that they were arguing about? Uh, very interesting how food became uh, was so important in, in uh, some of these situations. Then give two reasons why sexual temptation and sin were so prevalent in Corinth. Uh, they, they, were, they had a lot of problems with that, and there's, there's a couple of reasons for it, at least that, that all, most of us would understand. Uh, uh, there... It has to do with the characteristics of the city of Corinth, maybe where it was located, some of the things that were located in the city itself. Maybe that gives you a little bit of a hint. In the book of Esther, we ask you, after Esther exposed Haman's plot to kill her and her people, the Jews, what happened to Haman? What happened to Haman? He was a descendant of uh, Agag, this... uh, what. What people group was that? That was the, uh, the Malachites. Uh, the Malachites uh, over or centuries earlier, and uh, Agag was a famous king of the uh, Malach- uh, Malachites, and uh, so Haman is a descendant of that group. And what happened to him? He had this plot to kill Queen Esther and others. All right, so let's. Uh, I will answer. The, we, we've been corrected. We've received a, or I'd say Jacob's been corrected. I didn't have anything. It's not about. Well, no, 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 no. That is the answer, but I don't want to say it I know, the but air. there's only one tablet, right? No, no, there's two tablets. But what, Oh, I thought the. Uh, no, what the person said was, is, what, uh, that's correct. All right. So that is the right answer? Uh, well, uh, let me, yes, that is the right answer, but okay. do you want to leave it out there until somebody calls in or? Why not? You know, I think folks are intrigued by it. What was written? Well, I thought that text you got said there was only one tablet. Um, okay. I don't think. It could be there's only one tablet. It could be that Jacob's all mixed up well, and confused. Well, I, I will tell you this. wouldn't be what, the first what's, time. What's said that was written on it is 100% correct. Okay. All right. So. What is written on the tablet or the tablets uh, there in the hands of uh, the the Statue of Liberty? And it said that's a good question to ask on on uh, Independence Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend. Well, and it's it certainly is relative to uh, 
Is freedom, it? religion. And to the book of Esther, maybe. And to the book of Corinthians. And you know what? Maybe it is one tablet. You know, one of the famous verses of the Corinthians is, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I like that uh, verse a lot. Is, is, that, is that a Jeep? No. It's, oh, I thought it was a Jeep product. I don't know. No, no, no. Okay, and then here's another question from Esther. Who was Mordecai? Very simple question. Who was this guy in the book of Esther named Mordecai? Chapter 2, verse 5 is where we find the answer. And then uh, what queen did the emperor, the king Xerxes, and I wonder, was that really his name or was Xerxes a title? Uh, that would be a title. Okay. But that's the name I guess we're given. What queen did Xerxes banish uh, in other words, dethroned. Yeah, the name. And why was she taken off the throne as queen of Persia? And, and uh, then, of course, we that's why we had the book of Esther. As part of the social reforms Nehemiah initiated from the book of Nehemiah, what activity did he prohibit on the Sabbath? And look in chapter 13 of Nehemiah. What activity did Nehemiah prohibit on the Sabbath. Um, what line is uh, Tammy on? What line is Tammy on, John? All right, let's go pick up Tammy's call real quick. Hi, Tammy. Are you there for us, Tammy? I am. Oh, good to hear your voice. I'm Can glad you hear to me? hear from you. How are you doing these days? Yeah, we hear you loud and clear. How are you doing? You have a good Fourth of July weekend and all that? I did. Wonderful Fourth of July. We're glad for that. That's wonderful. Well what what do you want to do? You want to answer questions, ask questions? No, I'm going to try to answer Jacob's trick question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trick question, all right. Okay. So the Statue of Liberty has Either one tablet or two tablets, we're not quite sure. I think it is one, come to think of when it. When he said two tablets, see, that got us a lot of, th a lot of us thinking about the Ten Commandments. Yes, but, okay, so maybe there's one tablet, but what is written on that tablet? Well, according to Google, this is not according to Tammy, no. but according to Google, it's just one tablet, it's not two. And it says July 4, 1776. That's right. Roman numeral and Roman numeral. That's right. That is July 4th, 1776. That's what's there. That's why I was doing it, because this is July 4th weekend. Yeah, yeah. because this is July 5th. That's why that's he's right. doing that. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but that is what's written there. All right. And, all, and now all the listeners know. And they can go to work tomorrow and ask the people, and almost nobody will be able to answer the question. Yeah, everybody want. thinks of that famous line about "Bring me your sure. tired" and so on and so on. But uh, yeah. uh, that, well, I guess I'm I'm satisfied. I'm a little happier now that I know that piece of information. That's good, Tammy. <laughs> well, Tammy, can you answer? Can you answer any of our Bible questions and take some of the pressure sure. off of us with those? Which ones did you hear that you liked? Um, there was one about what happened to Haman. Yes, this guy who uh, Esther exposed his plot. He was trying to kill her and her people, have them killed, the Jews. Uh, so what happened to Haman? They hanged him on the gallows which he had prepared for Mordecai. So he had, he had this plot, and he was going to have Mordecai killed, and uh, but they hanged him on the very gallows that he had built for for someone else. I. That, this story, the story of Esther, is so remarkable. 
in so so very many ways. And, and of course, Jacob Kepler gives us a little bit of the historical background of Morde, uh, of Haman and how he descended from the the Malachites and and even from Agag himself. He was an Ag- Agagite, as they say. Uh, these, it's funny how these, not funny, but it's so interesting how these Old Testament stories. They, and remember, let us recall. They run in patterns, don't they? Yeah, but let us recall. Remember what uh, was said to be done to the Amalekites? And, uh, and of course, Haman is a descendant not of just the Amalekites, but of the king of the Amalekites. Uh-huh. And remember what happened back when Moses was running around? They were at war with him? Yes. Uh, See, this is why God knew what he was doing. Oh, they were supposed to, uh-huh, at a uh-huh. given time, get it, get under Agag, they yeah. were supposed to, uh-huh. they were actually supposed to wipe them out in Yay! battle. Uh, and Saul didn't do it. That's uh-huh. one of the big mistakes he made. I, it's all coming back to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, well, I, that's because you're that a very knowledgeable now. guy about the Bible. Oh, boy, Is that I'll correct, answer. Tammy? We need to know from Tammy. Is that right? Tammy's our Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so if they had, if Saul had done his job, it, then Esther and all the Babylonian stuff would have never happened. Right. She, she wouldn't if have been done queen. his job. Yeah. So she wouldn't have won yeah. the beauty now, contest. Isn't that now yeah. we begin to understand why Mordecai says you were put here for a day such as this? Why such a day as this? Because the Jews had failed to do what under the leadership of Saul what they were told to do from God. Wow. Some important lessons there, Tammy, right? Right. <laughs> I hope America is listening. Are we listening to God's Word? Are we paying attention to some of these things? It's so important for us. Well, thanks for calling in, Tammy. Do you want to put your name down and let us send you a prize package? That's fine. No. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, we thank appreciate you. you calling. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. You betcha. Good to hear from Tammy, as always. Harold is calling back. Uh, and, Harold, we got the question answered about the the tablets the tablet, tablet. We, tablet, tablet, now singular, yeah. in the hands of the Statue of Liberty. Did well, you come up with the same answer? Well, um, you know, my I had to go ask my wife to look this up, and <laughs> I think the Lord is just getting us all together tonight because I'm running all over the place. And she looked it up for me, and it wouldn't be fair. You know, how am I going to go back and say someone else answered it? So I'm going to say, well, no. Tammy answered it, and I'm going to say, you answered it, sweetie. Did Tammy get it right? Yes, she did. All right. Well, July 4th, 1776, 1776, and it's written in Roman Well, maybe you can answer one of these other questions for us. I'm almost certain you can. Well, I had left off on that church. You said you wanted to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we want to hear and, uh, So you was, took, your, you took, was it your mother, you said? No, we spent the, your kind of the weekend at my sister's house That's in Canyon right. Lake, Betty. You remember Betty? Yes. And uh, so she did not... She canceled out some things because she wanted to be with me and this and that. And I said, well, you know, I can go to church with you, you know. And she goes, well, you know, I've been wanting you to go for a while anyway. And it's not very often we're up there on a weekend on Sunday morning, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we went, and it's called a High Point Church. And my brother-in-law said he passed by it for, uh, you know, weeks, it seems like, and uh, just didn't realize. And so when they walked in, they felt so welcomed and I got to tell you, they have donuts and coffee. Oh, and, that, that uh, does the trick. I think they lured me there with that. Yeah, you know. Well, that's what we serve that's, out at uh, Lackland. That's what for a lot of churches call communion. Yeah, and <laughs> no, so anyway, no, that's not called communion. What did he say? Oh, he said that's okay. called communion in their well, church. Well, they had that too, and um, it's a very uplifting feeling. And I wanted to say the military was there. 
Oh, and wonderful. they marched the flag uh, down. And I didn't put a number with that because, you know, the, the idea about putting numbers with things. But uh-huh. it was one gentleman dressed, you know, he was in the military. And uh, uh, he, you know, walked the flag down, marched it down, put it up just right, and came back. It was very, very impressive. He represented the the military. The armed forces know? of our nation. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, uh, I um, I went up to him, said hi, and uh, I enjoyed everything, and maybe right. I'll come back another time. Wonderful. But that was just well, to finish glad. that story. I'm up. glad it's a good story, and, and I'm glad that you you and your sister found a place where maybe and, and their family can go. Who knows? That might be a good future uh, place. I'm glad. I'm always glad to hear of a healthy congregation. Uh, uh, you know, a congregation where the, the people love each other, the pastor preaches from God's word, and there, there, there's a there's a tightness and there's a sense of a family among them, and you could, I mean, you feel welcome and you feel right. like you're in actually, a healthy I, place. Yeah. I actually walked up to him and said, "Do you always do this good? Are you always this good?" And he, you know, he was frowning a little bit, you know. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, you know." Wonderful. And um, it was. Um, what did he preach about? Acts chapter 17. How about that? Paul at Athens, huh? Yeah, it was Acts chapter 17. Yeah. And um, we stayed on that being positive and Good. don't expect any less than the best and things well, like that. proud of you, pal. Glad for you, and I hope you had a great Fourth of July. You consider it a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell Betty hello for us. And I will. And I want to say, you know, the, everyone, there wasn't four people that probably didn't walk up to me and greet me and want to know who I was. And who I am, and you know, yeah. it, it was so warm feeling, Wonderful. you know, and it just and, and they were sincere. Folks, are you listening? Are you listening? This is what people enjoy when they come to your congregation, to your church. Do you take initiative to shake you a hand? Read and, it and donuts. Yeah, and the donuts and coffee. <laughs> the donuts. I didn't have a donut, by the way. Oh, I was, well, I, good I was being for polite. you. Proud of you. Well, that's well. We had donuts and coffees for our airmen this morning for the basic trainees out of. I Black mentioned Planet. that. To the they're, airmen. Yeah, their 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 families are coming now. We uh, I wanted folks to know about this as well. Uh, Harold, thanks for calling. Let me let yes, me let sir. you go, thanks. and you can listen to it. Thank you very much. You betcha. I wanted y'all to know that and Jacob, you too, that now our ministry has expanded out there. Uh, we they were going to cut our ministry to seven weeks because they shortened up basic training. But what they've done is they've actually extended it to nine weeks because now. Uh, the airmen who have gone through our, our program, through our Bible studies, they are now in bringing their family members on the weekend after they graduate. They're bringing their moms and dads and brothers and sisters and, and you know, fiancés and husbands and wives. They're bringing them, and they're able to bring them on that eighth oh, week. Oh, so they're actually able to come back and attend exactly services. Exactly. And, and with them, at that group, yeah. we can serve donuts and coffee. Uh, but we can't serve the basic trainees because they don't want anything going into their bodies except food that the Air Force has prepared. But uh, now these guys have graduated. It's their first weekend after their graduation from huh. basic training. And their families are coming with them. And four, four of the trainees' family members made first-time commitments to trust Christ and to begin hey, to walk with the Lord You know, I want to morning. ask you something about that. It's May exciting. I, to ask you a question? Sure, sure. All right. Um, I was just curious. Uh, in uh, your services you do out there, because you do them out there every Sunday, is every that correct? Every Sunday, yeah. And it's quite a big deal. Yeah, we had about uh, almost uh, 1,600 young men and women. Well, that's great. This now, morning. I was yeah. just wondering, do you ever run into any Jews? Oh, constantly, Yes. I ran into one uh, on the on the uh, on the way there. I had a slight fender bender, with, but uh-huh. 
Yeah. But he uh, yeah, he I didn't know. sue me or anything. Yeah, he, so. I was going to say, no, you'll be no. hearing from his priest, we Mr. Cohen. No, we really do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from his lawyer. No, but we really do. There are a good number of the men, uh, young men and women. We get a chance to visit with them in between classes as they're moving from one to the other. And uh, I, I really... It's it's a, it's an amazing group of people out there. They they come from so many backgrounds and they come from all over America, uh, small towns, big cities. It is such a remarkable experience. Huh. And so many of them at their time in their life, usually eighteen to twenty five years of age, usually some a little older, and uh, they're they're trying to get their life straightened. They're trying to nail down all these. You know, they're making a career choice. They're uh, uh, they're, some of them away from their families kind of for the first time. And so they're really, they're very serious about trying to get their, the spiritual dimension of their life. They want to get it lined up and nailed down. And, and so they want that confident, secure relationship with God. And it's so exciting to teach them because they're very open and very teachable. A lot of questions. And uh, every week, uh, somewhere on, on most weekends, over 100 young men and women. And now, as I said, some of their family members are coming and joining us on the weekend. This week, this morning, I think we had somewhere around 160 family members coming and attending in the in our hotel. That's the eighth week class, and and many of them now are hearing the message of the gospel and responding as well. It just it kind of does my heart good to to see there's still an interest, there's still an openness and a hunger. Uh, to hear the good news and about being reconciled to God and walking, experiencing God in our lives. I, well, I, I'm that's really great. thrilled. I was curious about that. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, since uh, we've got a moment here before we go to our Not next too much break. before we go to our break. Yeah, but go ahead. Okay. Here's an interesting thing. I know I've mentioned this before, and to me, this is so neat and so important. And this is one of the things I think that really catches and I would even catch everybody's uh, young person's attention. Uh-huh. Uh, when Haman's ten sons were hung, that yes. was a question that Tammy answered. Uh, <clears throat> when they were yeah, hung, not only was Haman hung on those gallows, but his family as his well. His family wow. was ten altogether. That was on the same day that Hitler and his nine top guys—not Hitler, but his ten of his top guys—were hung at the Nuremberg trials. Same day in history. Wow. Now. If that's not enough, now, this ought to be shocking. And that just, is an amazing coincidence. There's well, no doubt I'm going to it. tell you where to verify. Okay, now what's interesting is it, when they were on the on the gallows to be hung, there was a, a doctor there who was really the Hebrew expert for the Germans, and he was not Jewish. And he was one of the guys going they, to be hung, going right? Going hung, and yeah. he knew, and he his last words were, "Purim." 1946, and they were hung on the very day that Haman and his sons were hung, and there was ten. How about that? And, All right. But I'll tell you where to find. It. Go ahead and take Rich, and I'll uh, well, I'll tell you where to find it. About. Well, Rich has got a question for you, buddy. So you're you better wow. gear up and get sharp here. Uh, Rich, good to hear from you again. What question? Did I, you I have didn't to... want to bother you again, but something has been bothering me, and I remembered it after all these years. Good, good. Rich, you're not a bother. You're the reason we're in business. The Dead Sea Scrolls, when they found them in the caves. Yeah. Yes. How come we never hear anything about them, see anything published, what's written on them? Why do we never hear anything about them? All right. Okay. Fair question. Well, it's a fair question, yes. And, uh, of course, you know they're not really in possession of Israel or the Jews. And, and indeed, 
what I have been able to ascertain. And once on an airplane, I actually got to talk to a guy that was had been going to the Vatican back and forth. Uh-huh. And uh, they have been translating him, but uh, they actually put him aside. They didn't put a lot of emphasis on translating him. Now, it was identified that the book of Isaiah is the book of Isaiah, of course. In its entirety. Uh Uh And so we know that matches. Now, there's a few other passages that I've learned, and we probably all can Google and find out, that have been shared but the majority of them, really, for whatever reason, has they did has not been translated. But I understand they have put emphasis on it to start translating again. These do take time, and you have to have the requisite scholarship, the scholars with the discipline to to do it. I'll talk but a little it, bit more about it. it. I met a fellow it. in Spain who was involved in the process. Uh, and came up with some surprising results as well from the Dead Sea Scrolls. But what, what were you going to say, Rich? It's been decades, though. Yeah, it has been. In 1949, I think, was when they were discovered. Yeah. So it's been a long time. In all these years, I've been wondering why. Why don't you you and all all of us, all of us have. I actually hear, I guess I read more than I hear. But, uh, yeah, good question. Maybe we'll find a better. I've got a couple of comments for you. We'll share when we get back from this break. 340-9585. Give us a call. And there's no one else around While I'm lying here in bed You're in my heart, you're in my head You're all I need You're all I need There are a million voices Calling out my name You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back thanking you again for joining us this evening for The Bible Live Quiz Show. Uh, We were visiting with Rich and talking about, he called in with the question of whatever happens to uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls back in 19, I think it was 49, uh, a young... uh, Arab young, I think it was a shepherd's uh, shepherd assistant or something, threw a rock up into a cave uh, there at the base of Mount Sinai uh, of the Dead Sea down at the uh, at the southern end of the Dead Sea. Uh, there's some uh, cliffs and so on, and there were caves up in them. He threw a rock up in there, and he heard something break, as if it were uh, a clay pot or something breaking like that, like kind of glass or something, kind of distinctive sound. And so he crawled up there and found some uh, some clay jars and so on. But within them were stored these fragments of of, uh, of right, right, ancient writings. And as it turns out, these were the famous Dead Sea Scrolls, portions from uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. And these were dated way back. They they were dated with uh, what's that kind of dating uh, they use? Uh, I'll think of it in a moment. My brain isn't working to this. Just not. Uh, blind? <laughs> you know, you know the carbon dating. You know, carbon fourteen as it deteriorates, it deteriorates at a set pattern and a, and a rate, so they can date things on that basis. And uh, it was pushed. The date of these documents was pushed way back. It was some of the earliest uh, examples of the Hebrew scriptures that we had ever seen, and so we had a, a golden chance to evaluate. Do uh, the is the Old Testament we have in our Bibles 
how faithful, how dependable, how reliable is it? Uh, or are we going to find out, because of these older passages that were found, the Dead Sea Scrolls, are we going to find out there were just lots and lots of changes and the, and the whole book was totally different uh, centuries later? Well, as it turns out, uh, every all of the evidence turned out to be to be fairly positive and very uh, supportive of the reliability of the scriptures we have in our hands today. And Rich's question was, well, whatever happened to that? That was a big story, and it should have been uh, bigger and bigger. Maybe it would help to know a little bit the process that those what happens to in these cases, what happens to those fragments. Uh, and then uh, Jacob has an idea of something he's read, a report he's read as well. But uh, I would recommend a book called. There's a uh, an author. He is a, a Catalan. He's a man from Spain, uh, and I had the opportunity to meet him and. Uh, Learn about his work when we were living and ministering in Spain many years ago. And uh, he and a professor, a president of the, uh, the American University in Barcelona, they wrote a book called The First New Testament. And uh, it was based on this father. I, I, I could just kick myself because the name doesn't come to me. It's a very Irish name, uh, Father O'Callaghan or O-something, o I believe it is. And uh, but he's not Irish. He's he's definitely Spanish, Catalan, but that was his name. And he is a scholar. He works up in the Montserrat. There's a there's a famous uh, monastery up there, and that's his place of work. And he's a hist historian. And what they do when they get these uh, fragments, of course, they gather them to take care of them. These were taken. These were taken to the Vatican, and. They photograph them as they. There's a special process as they try to unfold them without with doing the least damage. To un un, they're they're usually rolled up, so they try to roll them out very very carefully using some chemicals that help them not be so brittle maybe. And uh, so they they take all this care. They then they photograph them, and then these and, and categorize them and, and 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 catalog them, and then they are farmed out to scholars, Bible scholars. Around the world, and uh, who have the credentials to do it. And this Father O'Callaghan, or Callaghan, I can't, I don't know, the name just doesn't. If you find that book, the first New Testament, it'll have his name in it. Uh, and they then do the hard work, and that is they take these tiny fragments. Sometimes it only has, let's say, a piece of maybe eight words in three lines, you know, and, the, and they'll, they'll be in Hebrew and, uh, and, and you, you'll be reading them, and they try to recognize where does this passage come from, just from the letters on the fragment. And it's very, it's very challenging, of course. They have to know the, the the original languages very well. They have to know the scriptures very well, and they try to recognize them. And of course, they learn so many other lessons from them about uh, the reliability. The entire the entire book of Isaiah was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and like I said. They find very, very little difference between the, this older manuscript and the manuscripts we had before that. And so it's a good news. That was a really good development. It shows, says a lot for the integrity of the translation, the scriptures that we have in our hands today. But uh, the question from, from Rich was, wh why don't we hear more about that? And uh, Jacob had a thought there that I, you read in some of your research that... Might be one explanation, at least. Well, some people have suggested there may be so, there's some other writings in there that may be, from some people's point of view, uh, problematic. 
Like there is some references in a couple of things I've read called the Sons of Light. So politics get caught up in a little bit of these things. Sure. And so that may take place. Uh, who knows? Well, I guess we'll find out someday. It'll be it'll come out right after who really assassinated John Kennedy. <laughs> All right. And, but I do want to finish one thing, if I may. Go Because I did promise at the beginning that I was going to tell people where they can verify about Heyman, the Hitler's tin getting hung on the same day as uh, Haman and his sons. Centuries earlier. Uh, yeah. And I, I will tell you this. No, you meant Hitler's tin. I did. Did I say something? You said wrong? Haman, I think. Oh. But the ten. Uh... Well, Haman and his nine sons. Okay. okay, there you go. And then Hitler's subordinates, his ten top guys, got hung on the exact same day in history. And there was a there was a German scholar there that was a Hebrew scholar, and that's why they kept him on staff. And he knew what it was, and he knew the day they were getting hung. And his last words were actually Purim, 1946. Now. What's interesting, for 2,300 years, in the book of Esther, the Jews knew when you read the ten names of the ten, uh, of Haman and his sons, there is letters in there that are only half the size in Hebrew of the rest of the letters. Okay. And so that tells us, and the Jews knew that this meant something, and they deciphered it, and they knew it was something, but they didn't know exactly what it was for 20 years. So, so the size of the letters uh-huh. of his sons was, uh-huh. yeah. was and, half the size yeah, of the Yeah, like maybe the, the third letter, the second letter in Hebrew. That kind of, they could be half the size. So they would put those that together. That is one of those little Jewish code kind of things. So they put together, and you're not going to believe this, it comes out 1946 in English. Because the letters in Hebrew have a numeric value. This is correct, yes. And is that what came out? Yes, huh? sure. Made it read 1940. So, so it actually comes out in 1946. Now, so you actually have this date in the book of Esther. Now, I want to think if if you want to bring, I think young Christians back to the Christian church. That kind of information is so enthralling. I think people would find that fascinating. Yeah, that makes you pay attention. Uh, it sure and does. it gets a tad better. Now I'm going to fulfill what I said at the beginning of the show. You can Google the New York Times for the month of October 1946, and there was a big story in it. I think it was right on the lower half of the front page. October 1946. Uh, Explain how it was on the same day that this took place, Hitler's guys got hung, that Haman and his sons got hung. And it even mentions this scholar saying from the gallows, Purim, 1946. Then the Jews knew the date they had been reading for 2300 years. They understood why that date was in the book of Esther. Now, don't you get goose pimples? <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing. It truly is. And there you have a, You can go Google that and check it out. New York Times, uh, you said October, October 1946. 1946. What, and, of course, I think I want to explain here what the word Purim means because someone might be listening tonight. That was one of our questions, actually. What does the word Purim mean? We know it is a Jewish festival. Uh, now that was given that name, and it commemorates, of course, it, 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 we have its uh, genesis, its beginnings in the book of Esther, commemorating when uh, the people of Israel were saved from this annihilation that was planned for them by Haman. And uh, because remember, Haman uh, rolled some dice. He cast lots to figure out the date that he was going to used to attack the Jewish people there in in Persia. And the name for lots or the name for the dice is Purim. And so now they have the feast 
the Jews celebrate that, that their salvation in that instant uh, with a holiday called Purim, uh, recalling and, and the miracle of And you might find this interesting. It is like Jewish ha- Halloween. Everybody dresses up in costumes. They have a big party. Is the that kid, right? Yeah, the children especially. Uh-huh. And they have, you know, cakes and candies, and well, they have a great deal. Well, why not? And yeah. you read on Purim the book of Esther. And as they come to the name Haman, all the kids Boo, will go. Yes. They make oh, noise. Yeah, they stomp yeah. their feet. They uh-huh. yell so you can't hear his name. In other words, may his name be obliterated. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it is like a Halloween. How about that? Well, uh, there's a little background on the scriptures and on the experiences and maybe some answers there about uh, why we don't hear more about these great discoveries these archaeological discoveries and so on uh, by the way and I'm 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 sorry to come out here with half information it bothers me to do so but I guess I'm just getting old it seems to me Jacob that here just within the last decade uh I remember reading about there has been another uh, important discovery Concerning the documents in, uh, uh, of uh, the the Bible, something another discovery about their historicity, some more, uh, perhaps some other uh, fragments, parchments that were found. Well, I, I know last the year they actually found coins imprinted with David's David, King David's name and uh, image. Yes, I do remember that as well. Uh, but I know there was something else. But you know, folks, there's something that we should be interested in, interested in and stay up on. Uh, because the, uh, everything that we discover, you know, one time there were a lot of questions about the Bible. There were a lot of, uh, denials and so on, but slowly but surely through the discoveries of modern science and archaeology, a lot of those questions that used to cast doubt on the scriptures have really come about to, to give us an affirmation, greater confidence in the scriptures that we have. And, uh, I, I agree with Rich. I'd like to actually, uh, learn more about these things. Now, there are certain, Journals that you can look up as well, uh, missiology. There are archaeological journals that well that you can follow some of these matters. Uh, you know, these are technical, professional journals that you can. You'd have to do a special research to find them, but those might be helpful as well. But uh, well, Rich, okay. I would encourage Rich to find that book, the First New Testament. Let's. Uh, you want to answer a couple of these questions? Yeah, let's answer some okay. of these questions because right. some uh, of the folks one question are out there. we haven't answered about what was the queen's name, Vasti. Vashti, Queen Vashti was uh, Xerxes' wife, and she was banished for not coming as ordered to his banquet. She, uh-huh. uh, They had these great celebrations when they were going to have a great battle. They would, maybe six or eight months, even a year out, they would have these huge parties, the king would, and his generals and his leaders from his military leaders would come, and they would just party down real hard for eight or ten months. And, and and very lavish celebrations and a lot of drunkenness and so on. But at the same time, they would be talking and sharing, building their battle plan and kind of working out their uh, the way they were going to conduct the battles. And so that was probably the uh, that was probably the occasion in which Xerxes was asked. I, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Vashti was asked to come and present herself before the king. And as you say, the language. Uh, Probably meant that he was. She was asked to come and appear um, uh, sans ropa, right? Huh. So um, sin ropa. So uh, she refused to do so, and because of that, she was banished from the throne. Uh, and 
I tell you, men can never win. They never do anything right, and they always pay the price every time they come up. Well, in fact, the guy that advised the king when the king said, well, what should I do? Because he's obviously been challenged by Vasti, who I uh, tend to think is right. And and the person advising him, believe it or not, is Haman, though it appears under another name. And so you got Haman advising him what the, how to get rid of his wife. He says uh, something like, well, we can't let her get away with yes. this because all the women... All the, the women in the whole country will then disobey their belly. husbands. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, come on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's giving bad advice right away. He's, st- he's doing that. Yeah, well... So, but the other question is, is uh, who was Mordecai? Who was Mordecai? Okay, who was that? Somebody know? If, uh, you know, we can go ahead and answer these. We can put out a few more new questions if we'd like. We don't haven't gotten a good result on this one. He was a Benjamite. He he was a uh, a Jew. He was there in uh, in Persia, living uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the older cousin of Esther, which means that his probably his mother, his brother or sister were Esther's parents, right? Well, some people think he was the uncle, but a cousin, uncle, whatever. Yeah, there's a relationship there. And he became uh, a palace official after Esther won uh, the contest, the beauty contest that was set out to find the most beautiful woman in the kingdom to come and replace Vashti. And can you believe it? That turned out to be this young Jewish girl named Esther. And we know, like with the, the three Hebrews... Yes. Uh, Daniel and his buddies they brought over, they always gave them another name, right? Right. Uh-huh. Well, Mordecai is actually the given, the conquered slave, Babylonian name. It's easy for you to say. Yeah. And Mordecai is an adaptation of the word from the Babylonian god, Marduk. Marduk, that's uh-huh. right. I see. And Esther is actually her slave name her babylonian name it's not jewish uh but her real name in hebrew is hadassah but she has given the name we call it esther but it that is her babylonian slave name under the another babylonian god asherah no no I uh, now you made I, not, I you, you messed me up oh my lens i ruined your train of thought yes uh derailed uh, him folks uh Man, I, uh, ISIS. ISIS? Uh-huh. That's what I thought. And, uh, <laughs> I and, said ISIS. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> and it's not an accident that today we're facing that new group of terrorists out in the Middle East uh, who have adopted the same name, ISIS. Uh, anyway, so you see, these are the Babylonian names, just like Daniel was given a name and the other guys were given a name. They were all given different names. So these are not the Hebrew names necessarily. But these are the names that are given, but it's always interesting. They're named after Babylonian gods. All right. So that's our questions, at least all the questions that we had out there um, about Esther. Yeah, we so answered that, another question about Purim, so that yeah, we know that uh-huh. one now. And now we're just left with Corinthians. All right. And so from the Psalms and the Proverbs, what does it mean to harden one's heart toward God? Well, several phrases used in Psalm 95 Verses 9 through 11. One is the phrase, tried my patience. Trying God's patience. Pushing, uh, us presuming upon God's uh, patience, his mercy. Presuming upon his grace. Uh, trying his patience. That is one thing that is mentioned. Might be involved in hardening one's heart toward God. Another phrase mentioned is, they courted my wrath or my judgment. They they played around with... with uh, 
with God's judgment. They saw how close they could go to the edge with sin. Instead of trying to avoid sin altogether, they tried to see how close they could drive to the edge, come to the edge of sin. And they courted God's judgment. And then uh, another phrase is, their hearts turned away from me. In the New Testament, we're told that sometimes that people's hearts grew cold. Their, their love for the Lord grew cold. And uh, they turned away from the Lord in that sense. They're, they had no longer had excitement and passion for the Lord himself. And then they refused to obey. Uh, as another passage, part of turning one's heart toward God, refusing to obey. Uh, sometimes we cannot separate the concept of obedience from faith. Faith, uh, faith is faith that acts, that, that, that responds to God and obeys Him. And then, so you can see in all of these cases that uh, hardening one's heart toward God is not all of a sudden a singular event thing happened, but it's, it's a process of falling away from the Lord. We form the habit first of disobeying and, and not paying attention to God. And it's a process of, of furthering ourselves from Him and, and, our, and growing cold in our, our love for Him. And that would be what it meant to harden one's heart toward well, here, God. Here's something interesting. This is not one of your questions, but uh-huh. this is in tonight's reading in Corinthians. Uh-huh. Chapter 11, verse 2. It says, Now I praise you because you remember in everything and hold firmly the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now, if we stop and look at that, that's one of the verses that there's only a few of these in the Bible, in the New Testament. And it's clear that he was teaching something oral that's not written down here. Right. So he's teaching there's something else that's being taught. And he says, you're holding to the stuff I taught you. Yeah. And he so, had spent time with them, yeah, you know, so, living in their city. But it's not written here. It's not written down. So we know that he's been teaching them something that was not written. Yeah. And there's, there's only about four times I understand this occurs in the New Testament. Uh-huh. I've often found that, I've often wondered, boy, it wouldn't be nice to know yeah, what he was what, telling them. What was, the rest, what was the rest of that teaching? Well, we, we do have a pretty good summary in some of the other books, Romans, for example, or, or Galatians and all. So we probably have a, we probably have at least some clue, uh, the totality of what it is that Paul normally taught when he went to these situations. Uh, from the book of Corinthians, we have th- uh, two other questions. Give two reasons why sexual temptation and sin were so prevalent in Corinth. And uh, I'll answer that when you take number 10. Corinth was a, a seaport, for one, and seaports were kind of famous because of the uh, different nationalities and the people who would come. It was a great commercial city. It had been built intentionally by one of the Caesars. I'm trying to remember which one. Uh, You can read the the, If you Google Corinth, you'll find out the history of the city. Uh, It was kind of, uh, it had been destroyed, and then it was rebuilt by one of the Caesars because of its uh, a great port city. And there were uh, over a 1,000 brothels, uh, archaeologists have found, Whenever they go back to Old Corinth, uh, it was a terribly immoral, wicked city uh, because of the because of that being a seaport, and it was also the place of several. I'm trying to remember exactly how many, but there were several pagan temples, uh, Aphrodite, Diana. Uh, there were several temples located there that uh, that also fostered a great deal of sexual immorality. They a lot of these pagan religions involved uh, sexuality in their in their 
their worship rites, uh, you know, for for the fertility of the ground and the the, the animals and the crops and so on, uh, the herds. They involved these uh, sexual practices in their worship. And, and so Corinth became a very famous city in its time uh, because of the terrible uh, decadence and the perversion that was present uh, in their city. And it became a real insult to call somebody a Corinthian because that, that said something about their, their morality and their, their ethics. Well, the, the Corinthian church members were arguing about food and uh you know it wasn't just do we have chicken for uh do we have chicken for our picnic or are we going to have barbecue or something there there was something more serious at stake jacob tell us a little about well, that yeah it's 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 meat animals offered to foreign gods pagan gods and i assume that 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 controversy was that controversy coming up because uh, maybe Jewish members that were more sensitive to that. I don't Gentile think members? any of these folks, from what my understanding is, I don't think I think these are Greeks. I don't think that there's any Jews here. It doesn't sound like it, huh? No. Okay. Well, then, uh, then this was something their own sensibilities. Then there were people who well, they uh, were told not to eat things and don't worship idols. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. There was an old thing. Uh, there's a Latin word for it, but it's called God eating. And the things that are offered to God that are left over and you eat, you have participated in that God's ceremonies. And uh, that's where actually where we get the word. It's used today, hocus pocus. Is that is, right? It's called, uh, in fact, I know in, even today in the Catholic Church, it's called hocus pocus meum, or hocus corpus meum. Yeah, but that's how we phrase it, hocus pocus. And magic. Oh, I Transubstantiation. See. That it idea. It goes from uh, something that's spiritual to something that's physical. Uh-huh. And therefore, it may just start out as, so let's say, yeah, just uh, meat. wine, but it become meat, but it becomes spiritual yeah. because it's been sacrificed to that God. And that's where we get the and word. And not just symbolism. The idea is that it, it really becomes. It actually does yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the belief. Yeah. And so a lot of these folks were very reluctant to eat that sacrificed meat because they're participating in the actual yeah. eating of the God's food. The and there were certain God's. ones of the Corinthian church who were particularly sensitive to this. Maybe they came out of that background. Sure. Maybe they came out of deep involvement in paganism and yeah. idolatry and, and immorality. And for them, it was a, it was a stumbling block. Uh, that whole arena, so they would avoid. Hey, that we, kind of we meat. answered all the questions. Yeah. the meat is the, normally the meat would be offered and sacrificed, and it'd be sold in the market yeah. behind the temple sure. there, and they were objected to that because of their own sensitivities. Hey, we did good. We answered the questions. We did. Uh, some of our listeners will be happy. We hope <laughs> about that. Thank you, folks, for joining us for the Bible Live Quiz Show. We always enjoy being with you. We'll see you next Sunday night right here, same station, same time. God bless. Have a great week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.